This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. All right, let's do this damn thing. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast. Uh, it's part of Top Steps umbrella of corporations that we, uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly. We're all employed by Top Step. We're coaches and media personalities and stuff here. I'm Jack Pelzer. I'm joined by John Doherty today. Hey, how you doing, guys? Thanks for having me again. Of course. And uh, per usual, I'm joined by Dan Hodgman. Jack, doing, I got to point something out. I think every single podcast we start, you have a different way of saying Limit Up is a part of Top Step. Yeah. Well, I want to keep it uh, yeah, fresh, as the kids would say. <laughs> you know, it's just so many. If I, you know, I don't have my patented sign on, it's just weird every time being welcome to Limit Up, uh, presented by Top Step. So I try to keep it fresh for myself. I'm doing it from a different room. I'm in my kitchen today because the wife is out. Uh, because I wanted to get more comfortable and loud and animated with today's topic because I think it's going to be a great one. We're talking about, uh, I call it sort of like Stephen Hawking's brief history of time. Today, we're talking a brief history of technical analysis. But uh, before we get to that, because that's going to be sort of our month-long theme, because you could read books and books and there's probably a whole podcast series on technical analysis. I wouldn't recommend that. seems like a weird way to spend your time, but uh, to each their <laughs> own. But before we get in, what kind of got me amped to do this today was technical analysis is all about charts, right? And we've seen a ton of, uh, though the actual indices have not been moving a ton this week, we've seen a lot of short squeezing. The squeeze is on in a lot of these stocks, you know. You had your Teslas, your Apples, your GameStops. Now BlackBerry? Yes. <laughs> so for those of you listening sometime further, this is the week that'll go down in history is the week where uh, GameStop went up 80% every day, blew out a few hedge funds. Uh, that is a very clear type of chart. So that got me amped for it. Dan, do you have any yeah. thoughts on buying or selling GameStop? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. I'm actually sitting... Um, I'm sitting in Colorado right now. I came and met up with my brother and a couple of his friends and they were talking about it. And it just kind of got me chuckling this concept of like everyone right now, even if you're not into this industry, is talking GameStop. Wall Street bets, I've never really paid close attention to that, but that's, you know, talk of the town. GameStop is a dying industry. It's a dying company. Um and watch what's happening is spectacular. I'm so glad I'm not in it. Yeah, uh, true fundamentalists, their heads must just be spinning right now. I'm looking at the price of GameStop, 134. I have a buddy who's been trading it for the last couple days, and he's just loving it. He's on fire. He actually sent me a message not too long ago saying uh, short-selling bears are pure degenerates at this point. <laughs> And I just think it's hilarious, too. Well, I sort of lurk occasionally on the Wall Street bets, and there is this notion that uh, GameStops could be the next Amazon or something like that. There, the kernel of truth beyond the squeeze is that Ryan Cohen, who um, founded Chewy, which is a hugely successful uh, pet subscription service, everyone in my building uses it. I use it for our dog. They got sold to PetSmart and turned PetSmart from a dying 
brick-and-mortar store into a very successful company at this point because of Chewy. So that's the kernel of truth. We could talk a whole hour about GameStop, but what I kind of wanted to get into from that is that if you want to check out a spectacular chart, everyone, look at the price action of GameStop stock. We are talking right now in the year of our Lord, 2021. It's January 26th today. What you see there is something that gets repeated a lot. You can call it a short squeeze, a gamma squeeze, uh, Wall Street bets, pitchforks, going after hedge funds. It's it's great. I'm staying out of it because it's too volatile for me. But uh, if anyone out there has low blood pressure that they need to take care of, go for it. Yeah, I want to po- point one thing out too. There's a huge difference right now. And traders need to understand huge difference between technical analysis and what are fundamentals. Um, they're going to tell you sometimes different things. Technical analysis right now is telling you, you know, look at what this stock is. Look at what this chart is doing. This is what the chart's doing. And this is where this one market market wants to go. And if you bring in fundamentals, you're sitting here thinking simple minded. If I had a bunch of shares of GameStop, my net worth of GameStop has tripled, quadrupled, astronomical through the roof, 500% up. Your fundamentals are saying, dump the shit out of this, get out and run. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> those are things, there's two different things. So, you know, JD's friend that's involved in this is looking strictly at technical analysis and saying, this is what price action's saying. There are some platforms right now, you can't even short the market. Um, how much can you short? You know, where is that room? There's room to the upside. It just continues to run. And so from a technical analysis standpoint, the buy is in. You're looking for weak points to buy this market to maintain trend to the upside. And the reason I brought in specifically JD today is he's done a lot of content for us involving uh, charts and technical analysis, patterns, things to look at like that. Where I want to start today, and I don't know if all of us even know this story, so I learned a lot doing the research for this show, is sort of the history of technical analysis, how we got to this point, and what are sort of the, uh, not pros and cons, but we'll say things that are great, just dandy about technical analysis and things where, you know, it's just not so dandy or in the parlance of these days, shitty. So uh, I thought we'd just start at the beginning where if you go, uh, you see any day trader, you see a day trader on TV, you see a trader anywhere at the prop shop, anything, they are in front of a bunch of screens. A few of them are trading screens, but most of them have a bunch of uh, charts or if you're new, squiggly lines going in all sorts of directions. And I was kind of interested to see where this all came from. So technical analysis, at its most basic, is using historic information to predict future movements. And it's part science, part art, uh, part alchemy, psychology. You can get from it what you want. Uh, When did you guys start? What were your first experiences with technical analysis? And did you believe it? So for me, um, I started with, I, I, as a kid, I mean, I looked at charts, simply put, um, and just the idea of, oh, it's going to go higher. It's moving higher, so it's going to continue moving in that direction. Um, but for me, I started uh, trading uh, yield spreads, and uh, I had a mentor, and uh, his name was John, not John Hoagland. And so he kind of started showing me how charting works. And next thing you know, I start, started stumbling on every technical analysis and the idea uh, or uh, indicator and trying to understand technical analysis. Now, that's where I struggled is 
I got overwhelmed and I went crazy with everything I did. I had 98 different things on my charts. I didn't know which one was the market sometimes and which one was an indicator. I had so much happening. Um, that was where I started and I had to finally learn how to simplify things. I think technical analysis is a spectacular tool and trait to use while trading, but I think you also have to find the simple things of what's going to work for you and how are you going to react to that as opposed to, okay, I got 90 different things. These two just crossed. That says bye, right? That's not true technical analysis. That's right. And as we go back, because I know that uh, JD had some input on this, but you talk about simplicity. This stuff goes all the way back to at least the 17th century. Uh, the only thing I knew previous to this about the Dutch and finance from then was they were selling, what was it, like tulips? Were the, the introduction uh, of a futures market was tulips back in either the 14 or 1600s um, back in Holland. The costs of tulips were so high, and they introduced this idea of prepaying in advance to farmers for their tulips. If you haven't seen the YouTube video, there's a spectacular cartoon out there that introduces what the (laughs) tulips future is. So they needed futures because I I just still can't get over how funny it is that, you know, you'd expect. I I, I saw in the research that the candlestick chart was developed by a, a Japanese grains trader or something or, you know, market merchant, whatever you said, way long time ago. But the idea of having futures introduced for something as seemingly trivial as tulips, I guess people love them. I am more of a rustic bouquet type, but uh, <laughs> people love them. And it was the original, not a short squeeze. Well, I guess, could they sell it short? What It was just the demand. It would remind me more of a, of the like Beanie Babies from the 90s exploded and you kind of had your first uh, real historic price bubble. I think you could technically short it, short it. The guys that were the tulip farmers, if that's what we're going to call them, um, they were selling something they didn't have yet. So they were technically shorting the market at a price and a guy was going to buy them. And then that's when it, then, then the carryovers started and then people were buying them at this price and saying, I'll sell it to you at this price. And then they were moving and it went through 90 different hands before the tulip even grew. Well, we can thank uh, Joseph De La Vega for being at the front of that. Did you get a chance? Did you? I saw you were poking around there. Did you get to look at his bio, JD? <laughs> oh, I just skimmed through it a little bit. He had some. Uh, he has a great philosophy. The first rule in speculation is never advise anyone to buy or sell shares. Uh, <laughs> I like that. That's sort of the top step motto over here. <laughs> it, it, it's funny as I was looking through this, there were all these ancient. Uh, sort of beginnings of technical analysis stuff where, where I was thinking, wow, this is good advice. Even now there was some ancient, uh, some ch- uh, Chinese merchant who was saying that nothing remains cheap for a hundred days and nothing remains expensive for a hundred days. And just all these things are like, wow, this is great stuff. So s- starting, uh, with that, of course, we're used to a different sort of technical analysis. Back then it was hard to do because there were no computers in 17th century Amsterdam that I know of. Um, but it really started to grow to prominence. Oh, and by the way, Dan, I thought you would like this. A lot of the formations are kind of named after military stuff. And I always thought that was weird with the advancing soldiers, but there's a tie in to military strategy and sort of other non mathematical things where it's more kind of experimentation. And the first military formation you learn for combat sentences or thing is uh, you learn to move in patterns. One of them is a wedge, which happens to be also a trading pattern. So which came first? 
the wedge? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Now, well, I would imagine the the trading wedge came before the military wedge because obviously we're going back to technical analysis back in the 1700s. And back then, everyone just lined up in a field and stood there and hoped they didn't get hit. Some Dutch military historian is throwing his headphones against the wall right now. And if you have better information than we do, let us know. Once again, I'm Jack, <laughs> Top Step Trader. No, just topstep.com. So where technical analysis really started to become a big thing, and sort of when what we understand markets today, securities markets, stock markets, uh, was in the 20s and 30s where Charles Dow, as in the guy that developed the S&P 500. No, I'm just kidding. Is Dow was in that Dow, Wall Street Journal. Um, he was one of the kind of pioneers that were doing that, and they were called chartist back then as sort of a derogatory thing because I, I was reading, um, I went to Winton.com and saw that uh, Dow's followers, there's a quote from them, used charts to identify these opportunities. In doing so, they were often put in the same camp as charlatans and snake oil salesmen, which, you know what? Uh, not much has changed. You know, there are things that are right of it. There's uh, charlatans and snake oil out there. So the main discussion I want to get to as we get further along here is how it works, why it works, and kind of when it doesn't work. So first we'll define, Dan, you already kind of did fundamental analysis, which would be the people trying to find the value of something. Economists, Warren Buffett, they all love to do that sort of stuff. And they're trying to use the balance sheet, income statements, assets, liabilities, and develop a value of the company. And they give a multiple to it, which is still up in the air. That's the thing. Value is still subjective, obviously. And they, especially in the 60s, there was a big blowback against people that were using technical analysis because it does have some of the signs of like using, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like a dousing rod people walking around looking for water underground with like a lead stick. There is a little bit of that where people think people are mad to say, okay, here's a chart. It did this in the past and now I'm going to sell it here because. So Dan, what would you say to someone that was say skeptical about technical analysis? It's a good question. Um, ultimately, I think you can be skeptical of it. Um, I think you have to first understand where you stand as a trader. I think that you're going to be, there's people that are going to be very technical and there's people that are going to be more fundamental. I'm, I lean towards the fundamental side, side of things because it's what I'm most comfortable with. Um, if you're skeptical of technical analysis, they say, well, you know what? It works. You can't argue it. Um, but if it doesn't work for you, you have to recognize that. So it's, I don't fault people that are skeptical of it. Um, Honestly, if you are skeptical of it and you realize it doesn't fit your system, don't try to trade with it because you just don't, it doesn't work for you. So that's, I mean, it's, I think it's a very simple, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't move on, go somewhere else. Yeah. So, um, sort of the arguments generally against it that would be put out, uh, by a lot of our friends at say the university of Chicago, uh, they are very regimented in the sixties, you know, Milton Freeman shareholder value that, the market should be a discounting machine of all available information. So the price really should reflect what, you know, the value is of something at a given time and stuff like that shouldn't work. 
So here's the main point, and I am actually somewhat sympathetic to that criticism of technical analysis, but it ignores what I would say is the biggest piece of evidence for technical analysis, which is people use it and it works for them. So, JD, if you could tell us a little bit about how, say, you approach a trade with, because I know you are kind of a chartist, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, early in my career, the Chicago Board of Trade had a wonderful education program. They would offer classes on charting, uh, technical analysis, all kinds of things. And the group I worked for actually sent me to these classes when I first started working for them. So my introduction into this business was really based on technical analysis. Uh, Dow theory was one of the first things I learned. We could touch on just the basics of it, you know, the basic tenets and the philosophy of technical analysis is that, you know, price discounts everything. Everything that can affect the price is actually reflected in the current price. And that includes fundamental analysis, psychological beliefs and ideologies. Uh, the pure chartist really doesn't care why a market is moving higher or lower. Uh, if everything is sort of already reflected in the market price, then the price is the only thing that needs to be studied and nothing else really matters. When you talk about trends, that's another philosophy. Price will always move in trends, a trend in motion. I think I'm going to quote this almost directly from every technical analysis book out there, but a trend in motion is most likely to continue than it is to reverse. And uh, so that's where trading with a bias comes into play along with history repeating itself. And that's just, you know, simple understanding of what happened previously is likely to happen again. I think that that's important that um, it kind of feeds into one of the biggest mistakes I see, not just among people just getting started trading, but even less than that, just people who are only casually interested in markets and are talking about buying a stock or doing something like that. It's, they're trying to do fundamental analysis on the fly and say, well, I've seen some piece of news yesterday and that sounds good for this company. So I'm hence going to buy the stock. So on a long enough time frame, that could be a perfectly acceptable way to do things, but that's not, you say, let's compress it and means that you're a day trader. You're not going to tend to have a lot of opportunities to come out because you digest news and uh, then put on a trade like that. The, a lot of that fundamental analysis, and also you'll be right half the time, so it's not like you're guaranteed to be wrong, but you're guaranteed not to have the edge that you think you are from your view of the news coming in, or you're a uh, soothsayer or something. I don't know. but Yeah, fundamental analysis, I think, really forces you to kind of be a one-trick pony. And if you're going to be a one-trick pony, you got to be the best at it. There's no second place when you're, when you're restricted to only that. Uh, the flexibility that comes with technical analysis, I think is huge. I mean, you can apply it to any market on any time frame, stocks, commodities, currencies, whereas fundamentalists really just have to stick with what they know and be the best at that one thing. And there's something to, we, um, we, last year, Jack, we had a gentleman, Greg Baird on, uh, you weren't here. It was at the end of the year. And he kind of was starting to talk about where you differ from fundamental to technical. 
Tesla is a prime example of a stock that you're trading based off of technical analysis now because the fundamentals kind of gone have gone out the window. There's a point where a stock or a commodity or any sort of market gets to a point of overvalue. Now, fundamentals in theory will bring that stock back into realized value at a value price that people agree is a good price for that stock. Once it gets past that point, if it gets through that overvalued price, then the fundamentals go out the window and it's strictly technicals that are going to maintain, like JD said, trend in motion is most likely going to stay in that motion. Um, and that's what we see with Tesla right now. Tesla, I think, is a prime example of a stock that you have to look at from a technical standpoint versus a fundamental standpoint. We can sit here and we can look at the fundamentals of what the company Tesla is, what their outputs are, what their revenues are going to be. Um, and we can sit here and say it is not going to be, should not be valued at the price it's valued at right now. It's strictly technicals are saying this is where it's going to go. And in theory, it looks like it wants to continue. Absolutely. And I think that a common thread, uh, by the way, I like that saying you used, J.D., about uh, if you're a one-trick pony, you got to be the best. I suppose that that trick, is that a saying or is that a J.D.-ism or did you hear it somewhere? Or I'm not going to take credit for it. I, <laughs> I just do it. No one's going to listen to this to tell you otherwise. <laughs> well, anyway, we, we talk a lot about the chicken and the egg on this because I think chicken on the egg. I meant chicken. <laughs> I meant chicken and the egg. And I think that that's a lot of what convinced me eventually the technical analysis works is that the chicken and the egg portion is does technical analysis work because people are watching it and know it works or is it some immutable fact and i think it plays more into when everyone's looking at the same charts of price everyone's looking at some of the same levels they're looking at the certain moving averages are much more popular than other they're talked about on tv and everything else those become as our dear friend John Hogan would say areas of interest or areas of importance, right? Where everyone's looking if a security's making a new high or it's hitting that double, uh, double top, let's say, or they don't know yet. That's an area where everyone's looking and saying that this is where a lot of people's around there. It's where a lot of stops are set. It's where a lot of people are getting in. And that in itself is going to be a turning point. So even though history doesn't repeat itself, I think it's sort of a reductive way to look at things to say that, uh, well, technical analysis doesn't work because, you know, history doesn't really repeat itself. You know, how does this go through the financial crisis or a pandemic or things that haven't happened? And it's not going to work 100% of the time, but hey, man, it's trading. It's the best tool you have to get the job done. Exactly. I mean, JD's spot on. You got to be able to balance both of them. This is the most important thing in this industry. You got to recognize both things. Um, if you're skeptic of one over the other, fine. But yeah, your spot, you've got to be perfect at what you do. Uh, but if you can balance it, you can start to recognize, okay, this is, this is more of a technical pattern. Um, I'm not going to trade fundamentals here because it's been in a beautiful trend to the upside. Uh, we're staying in a great channel. We're hitting highs, breaking down to lows. We can buy the lows. We can sell the highs. We can do that all the way up. Um, there's going to be a point where all of a sudden something wild happens and it can say he, fundamentally it's going to break out of this channel or this range that it's trading in or this trend it's going to trade in. Fundamental says, okay, now I can look for that short. I'm going to look for it to break below the low side of this channel. And that's where some fundamental can come in. You're using slight technical analysis to find a good entry into a trade based off of a fundamental. So it's all about balance. 
it's 100% true because fundamental analysis is not going to give you entry and exit points. Uh, I always found it more compatible to a buy and hold strategy as opposed to a day trading strategy. But then this whole new element of headline risk has come into play in the last, you know, five years or so. And it's really changed the game. So just, I agree with hundred percent with what you said, using fundamental analysis and technical analysis on a shorter time frame can work, but you have to have a solid foundation of both of them. Mm-hmm. And a constant theme also that we've mentioned um, roughly a thousand times in this show is about how you're competing against computers now, and it puts you at a disadvantage for sh- certain things. Um, I won't be so optimistic to say that it puts you at a, a advantage of certain parts, but it's just a truth of the industry. But it's good to know, too, um, I've been thinking about, so computers have figured out chess. I used to say the example that they haven't figured out poker, but I uh, believe they have at this point. But what they haven't figured out is what you do is just keep increasing the psychological complexity of the scenario, and they haven't figured that out. And the best example is computers have not figured out the market. Um, if a computer figured out the market, it would be game over right away, and that one program would rapidly <laughs> accumulate all the wealth on Earth. But uh, that obviously has not happened yet. So I don't think that can will ever happen because it's constantly changing. That's correct. Um, and even if you have machine learning, I, I think it all comes back to, I distill technical analysis to sort of a visual way of uh, measuring crowd psychology. And that's sort of what the markets are in general. I think between using technical analysis and order flow, I'm not obviously saying you're going to find success, but I think if you are going to find success, that those are the best tools for doing so. Um, unless, Dan, I know that you have a lot more experience uh, doing this than I have. From a day frame, day time frame standpoint, um, order flow and technical analysis are vital. Um, you know, like I said in the beginning, you can, if you don't, you're skeptic of tech, skeptic of technical analysis. You have to recognize that, and I think you're really going to struggle in a short time frame stance. You can have this fundamental long term idea of where markets are going to go over time. Um, you know, that's that investment standpoint. You can have an idea of, look, I like this stock. I'm, I'm going to buy this stock. I'm going to sit in this stock for five years. And you can do that based off of a fundamental. If you're going to get short time frame daily, weekly, you really have to be focused on that technical analysis. I love fundamentals. They help with a lot of my decision making I'm doing for direction. Um, I utilize technical analysis though to determine when my fundamentals are going to come into play. I'm a big levels guy. You guys know that. I think I had a run a couple months ago, Jack, where every level I talked about was just on fire. And yes, those helped me determine execution and trades, but it was really balancing the fundamentals. Like, okay, I think this is what I the fundamental is telling me. I'm approaching my level and this is how I'm going to react at that level. Um, the only way to be successful in a day short time frame is having a solid base when it comes to technical analysis. You really have to be precise with your decision-making, precise with your entries and locations um, because there's a risk management factor that comes into short time frame that doesn't come into other styles of trading. You're risking 
one to make three. You're risking one to make five. You're risking one to make two. And the only way you can do that successfully over time is using technical analysis that is proven for you, which you have found that works, to then execute these trades and be successful. That's right. And um, to kind of uh, not to put a bow on things in a way, um, we've come a long way, but I think the way we still use it is just because we say you have to be proficient and know the technical analysis tools that you're using. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word for this, but you don't have to become such an expert. You don't have to have your doctoral thesis in technical analysis. You don't have to get too in the weeds there. And as we talk about the history of it, I think I know the way that you trade, especially Dan, is that you're almost closer a lot of ways to uh, the the Dutch guy with a pencil than uh, some. Because now, obviously, <laughs> every trading program platform is going to come loaded with uh, thousands of stuff you can throw on a chart. Um, you could just make a complete sort of Jackson Pollock mess on there if you want to, but in my experience, it hasn't produced better results. Uh, it's just made me go cross-eyed to a certain extent. Here's what I have to say about all those indicators. They're great. I have a couple of them on my charts. Jack's right. Most of my charts are drawn up all over the place with my own stuff. Um, I have found, I, I have this belief that if, if an indicator was that good, everyone would use that exact same indicator. It would be standardized across the board and trading wouldn't be trading. It would be buy and hold or sell and hold. I mean, that's all it would, it would, that's all we would have. Um, that's what I love about this industry is you can use different things to then create your own strategy around it. And if you're consistent in how you look at the market, what you're using, you can be consistent in your trading and then you can actually start to refine what's working and what's not. That's what I found for me is I have been able to, over the last decade, cut out so many stupid trades that I've taken strictly because I've been so consistent in what I do that I can look at a trade and go, oh, that's a trade that I will lose money on. I'm not going to take that trade because I'm going to lose money on it because this is why over time I've learned. Um, and it's only because we've created, I've created a consistent lens with what I'm looking at and how I'm approaching it, um, to create execution. Yeah. JD, I feel like you're on the same page, right? hundred percent. And even if you're going to be an effective contrarian to technical analysis, you still have to be able to identify a chart pattern before you can tell people that that chart pattern is garbage. Right? So even the biggest skeptics still are looking at it. Or they get financially murdered by a mob of Redditors, right? I mean, <laughs> which kind of ties back all into, uh, you know, what we're talking about with GameStop earlier, right? I mean, when the fundamentals don't matter, you just got to look at the charts. And uh, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in them, if other people believe in them and they're trading off of it. Uh, just ask, uh, who was it? Melvin? There's a couple, uh, as I've, I've referred to a couple of hedge funds that kind of got blown out by, can you imagine just aside as we kind of wrap things up here? Um, well, next week we're going to get into more of the patterns and stuff like that. But now I thought it'd be fun at the end just to, uh, sort of the trading psychology. I don't know how you get over the fact. Could you imagine getting blown out by, uh, GameStop, GameStop <laughs> like a, st a strip mall video. So think, think about the, I'm just going to make up. I don't know anything about the, the people that run these hedge funds, but isn't it fun to think about like some guy that went to like U of C and then uh, went to Harvard business and he was at like DE Shaw and then he 
talking to all his friends about his idea for a hedge fund. He has it for 10 years. And then one, <laughs> one month in January just gets his, Keith, his, his or her teeth kicked in by a strip mall video game store <laughs> in the year 2020. The- I think the the best part about it is you made it through 2020's pandemic of the <laughs> crisis of the of the century, and uh, you're like, ah, oh, 2020's behind me. Oh, GameStop, that looks fun. <laughs> dad, dad, uh, or grandpa, how how was it that um that that we lost lost all the lost all the family money? Well, in 2020, <laughs> was it was it the pandemic? No, it was GameStop. <laughs> it was GameStop. So, you know, use the time. Stay humble, people. Like, really don't think that you got to manage your risk above all things. And no matter how smart you think you are, the market is smarter. And it'll always get the best of you. You just got to use the best tools that are available. Spot on. I think that's a good place to uh, lay it up for now. Uh, If you're interested in more, check out JD on our blog. Has What what was it? Like the ultimate guide to... Uh, we're going to condense it into one ultimate guide, but right now it, it's just called uh, Top Step Trading 101. So just do a search for that on our website. Yeah, and I think we'll probably talk about some of that in the coming weeks. JD may or may not be there. I've learned all I know from <laughs> JD's blog series. <laughs> no, that's not entirely true, but uh, it's what you kind of need to know to get started. Uh, Dan, are you coming back to uh, the Midwest? Or are you staying out west? or? I fly back to the Midwest tomorrow, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. They got tons of snow out there. Yeah, I'm looking out my window right now. We got about two, three inches of fresh powder, but uh, there's not a lot of elevation change around where I am. I guess you well, could where my house is. Apparently, they're just shy of a foot so far, um, which is more than I've gotten since I've been out here in Colorado. I think we've gotten about four inches, and they got a foot back at home. I left home to get more snow. And uh, as soon as I leave, the snow showed up. You're an indicator, Dan. I'll have to take, <laughs> have to take it's a leading indicator. Leading it's what indicator. Hogan, Hogan and I always joke. There's the Hodgman short. If I take off work, go ahead and short the market because uh, that's what the odds are going to do. Or uh, the Hodgman, it's, I don't even remember at this point. It's one one way or the other. If you see, if you knew, you wouldn't do it. So it's good you don't. Right. So. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, listening today. If you like it, we're kind of, you know, experimenting with some new things, new formats. Uh all things get better and better with time, I hope. So um, rate us on iTunes, stop by, visit Top Step, and uh, otherwise, just have like a wonderful weekend. JD, Dan, thanks for stopping by. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Always a pleasure to have y'all out there. It's Friday. Well, actually, it's Thursday afternoon, but it's soon to be Friday, so have a nice weekend. Namaste and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures in Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. 
Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.